Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Stane Kolachev, the CEO of Ave. Ave is an open source and non-custodial protocol to earn interest on deposits and borrow assets. This is going to touch on a lot of the things that we were talking about earlier this year uh, in 2019 about DeFi, and this is a project that has a lot of people talking about it. So the birth of Aave Protocol is a shift from decentralized peer-to-peer lending strategy that they were working on a few years ago, uh, direct loan relationships between lenders and borrowers, like in Eastland, this is something that they were working on, to a pool-based strategy. And so we talked about what that is. We talked about this idea of matching borrowers and lenders. We talked about this idea of collateral and how what kind of collateral lockups you have to have, what type of over-collateralization you have to have. We talked about the different assets that are being supported by Aave right now. So whether it's Ethereum, whether it's some of the stable coins out there. And we talked about, really importantly, we talked about the underwriting. And we talked about the, the data and the underwriting and the Oracle and the information that comes into the underwriting process for a lot of those assets. Um, and that's really important because there is systemic risk that is in these DeFi products. And so the underwriting of the different assets and the things that are being lent and collateralized, et cetera, is really important. So we talked about that. And then really interesting, they have something called flash loans. And so this is borrow easily and quickly with no collateral. And so Stani talked a lot about that and how that actually works. And then we also talked about their governance, which is in some respects similar to some of the things that MakerDAO has been deploying. Great conversation. Remember, nothing on base layer is investment advice, but you're going to learn a lot here. And so remember, uh, do your own homework and do your own research. And on the flip side, you're going to hear a great conversation with Stani, the CEO of Ave. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I'm really excited about this one. This project has gotten everyone talking about it lately. I have the CEO of Ave, Stani Kulachov, with me today. Stani, how are you? Hey, pretty good, David. Thanks for having me here. Really looking forward to this. You are the project of the moment right now. Everyone's talking about you, so we're going to learn why. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about everything that you guys are doing there. But as everyone knows that listens to my show... I like to build a little bit of a historical presence before we get into the project, into what you actually are doing there at Ave. So you have a little bit of a background uh, prior in legal research and drafting. Can you tell us a little bit before we get into Ave and the project itself, what did you do prior to entering this world of digital assets and blockchains? And specifically, what about the technology really led you to become a founder in the space? Yeah, it's actually, it's a pretty interesting story because uh, I used to do, do um, software development uh, way before I went to college, uh, but then decided to uh, study a bit more law and understand more uh, procedures and, and, and so forth. And, and kind of um, what happened back in the days, I, I started to get involved into more um, technical uh, legal space and also with the uh, startup scene in, in Nordics. So I'm, I'm originally from uh, Finland, Helsinki, which is a uh, small country uh, in the Nordics. And, and basically we had this event once in a year called Slush, where basically 20,000 uh, attendees come, startups and investors, and they're meeting each other and, and 
all kinds of technologies presented there. And it was back in 2015 where, was it 16, 15, I think uh, there was a lot of talk about Ethereum and kind of what smart contracts could do. And back in the day, so I was more uh, working in in, uh, uh, in in law firms in in the uh, uh, IT departments, and uh, I started to basically uh, realize that uh, the, the the potential that we could have with with blockchain and smart contracts, and that led basically me to try to experiment different kinds of things, and I finding more applications in in finance, and because of that, uh, we basically created. Uh, POC smart contracts for uh, loan transaction, which is basically the current model of overcollateralized loans, and and uh, which is basically what's based now in in the uh, Aave system, MakerDAO, and Compound, and so forth. And that was back in the days called Eatland. And one thing led to another, and there was a bit more uh, community uh, pressure to basically continue with the project, and we just started to. Uh, build it, and and <laughs> that's how we uh, ended up uh, creating the um, uh, the market. Got it. So you came from you know Nick Zabo, um, who is one of the kind of founders and godfathers, if you will, of smart contracts. You know, coined a phrase back in the day. I remember this conversation with Naval, and I think it was with Tim Ferriss. There was a difference between wet and dry law and the the law that is by the book is the the wet law because there's adaptation we we humans have our biases we adapt to it we we put our own objectives to that and then there's dry which is just code and so x equals y you know a plus b equals z things of that nature and so very interesting to hear about the background that you had uh from the legal perspective so if you had to explain, Ave, to someone who is not technically sophisticated, someone who is not necessarily crypto-native, perhaps, how would you describe what this per- what this project is today? Yeah, basically, I would say it's just a uh, uh, marketplace where you can actually uh, get yields for your deposits. And it's pretty, uh, I think it's the easiest way to, explain a non-crypto uh, uh, insider that could actually benefit from the product and from the marketplace without going too much into details. Uh, so pretty much the difference is that uh, instead of using the, the dollars or euros that you have, uh, you're basically uh, converting them to a cryptographic equivalent called stablecoins. And once you're done with your earnings and you want to withdraw, you basically reverse by converting them back to uh, the uh, uh, fiat currencies, for example, USD or euros. So the part that we handle uh, at Aave is basically providing the marketplace where where there is uh, supply and demand and the earnings. So I would say that's pretty much for a uh, non-crypto uh, person to understand like mm-hmm. what we're doing right yeah we have to obviously make it easy for people so they can come into the into the box that we're all in right now so that's one of the things i preach on this show and out there when i'm talking to other people is that we have to make it simple we have to make it a little bit easier for people to digest so anyone listening when you're talking to investors and you're talking to other people outside of the crypto sandbox remember we have had a few years of learnings on this that we we know a specific 
language, a specific code, if you will, and a lot of, a lot of people don't, and so we have to make it easy for people. So let's get into the, the, the kind of the meat and potatoes, if you will, of this. So let's unpack this. So the birth of Aave protocol makes Aave shift from a decentralized peer-to-peer lending strategy, direct loan relationships between lenders and borrowers, like in ETHLAN, to a pool-based strategy. So you talked about this briefly just before, but when exactly did you make the shift and why? Yeah, so so pretty much um, what what we built Eatland back in the days, it was an uh, era before the uh, the kind of like a DeFi OG era where you didn't have any stable coins. Basically, when people made the loan transactions, they borrowed Ether and the collaterals didn't have uh, the same secondary market uh, liquidity that they have today, uh, which means that there's less people trading them and using them. So the market was very small. So to basically uh, mitigate this risk between the parties who are lending and borrowing. Uh, we wanted to create an order matching uh, market where basically lender comes and, and funds a loan or borrower comes and, and proposes a uh, term and, and lender might decide to fund that loan. So we wanted to have this OTC marketplace. Now, what happened after this period is that uh, uh, stable coins became more popular in the uh, uh, Ethereum ecosystem. So, so back in the days, the, the main stablecoin Feather was in the uh, Omni blockchain, and it wasn't uh, usable in the Ethereum ecosystem. And once we had basically Dai, uh, USDC, and, and TrueUSD, what they actually allowed is is that uh, we have actually stable value, and that could be used in many different ways. And basically, one of the interesting projects, uh, Compound, what they actually did and, and mentioned in the very first page of their white paper is that uh, they think the, the, the model of Eatland is pretty great, but actually you could pull that model. And, and basically, what we did from that uh, basically narrative that um, the current DeFi space had, we wanted to improve in more further, that we want to have the, the pooled model but also all that pooled liquidity that is there, it should be utilized more efficiently. So as uh, many institutionals uh, understand that the more efficiently you can use the capital, the more uh, you can get yields. Right. And that's how we created new features like flash loans and, and DA tokens and so forth. Right. We'll talk about the flash loans and uh, that as well, too. So I want to get into just you, you You highlighted it. So borrowers and lending and those lending don't necessarily need to be matched. There's a pool of those assets. And so when you're lending, um, those are kind of they're locking it up for a greater value. So there's this idea of collateral. And so if I'm borrowing the funds that are in this pool, um, I'm putting up collateral. And that's, as we know, it's usually a digital asset. Um, and there's usually an over-collateralization. So in your uh, model, what does that look like? Because in other ones, it's been two to one. Um, and then also, what other digital assets are you currently supporting today? And then I have a few other questions. Yeah, so, so basically, the uh, uh, what, what we do before we list an asset, we have a uh, risk assessment that our uh, risk department is, is evaluating asset per asset basis. And, and based on that, we create a loan-to-value ratio, which basically determines how much you need to over-collateralize uh, an, an asset. And that depends. There might be, for example, uh, a token that might have higher liquidity risk, which means that it's harder to liquidate. Uh, or other risks involved might get uh, uh, 
lower loan-to-value ratio, which means that uh, uh, the value that you can borrow against is lower compared to uh, a way more liquid uh, assets, such as, for example, Ethereum. Now, uh, in our case, we have quite a diverse marketplace. Uh, of course, we have stable coins-wise. We have uh, DAI, USDC, uh, TrueUSD, and USDT as well. And then we have also uh, WBTC, uh, our Lend token, Augur, uh, SNX, uh, Maker, Chainlink, and Kyber, and BAT token. So this is the kind of like a composition. So when you are depositing and, and borrowing, you can actually uh, deposit multiple different assets. And, and basically, you have a basket of assets that are, are used as a uh, collateral for your loan. So if you want to hire LTV, you can use an asset that that's basically allows you to do that. Got it. Um, and so as of today, you know, how many of the different assets are you supporting? ETH, Bitcoin, DAI, Tesla? What You mentioned the, the stable coins, but in terms of the other ones out there, are some of the name brands, if you will, if we have name brands yet, what are some of the other kind of other digital assets that you're supporting today aside from the stable coins? Yeah, besides of the stable coins, I, I think the popular assets one is basically Chainlink is, is pretty popular. Uh, the Lend token, uh, Maker and and Augur and and uh, w, WBTC is, is getting more popular, but it's still uh, there. Uh, uh, somewhere in the uh, middle, and of course we have the zero uh, X uh, token as well. So, multiple different digital assets on the more you know kind of liquid you know side, and then there's obviously the stable coin side. Um, and so it's, it sounds similar to the move that Maker made to do multi collateral um, support uh, about a month or two ago, which is great. Uh, obviously, we're seeing this market become, as you said, more efficient in supporting things. But you also talked about the underwriting uh, of that. And so I'm curious, as it relates to underwriting different assets, the digital assets are coming into your pools, um, either as assets that are being lent or assets that are being borrowed, um, and the LTVs that you are calculating. Talk to us a little bit about the underwriting of that. How does that get done in today's day? We had Dave Balter from Cripsa, uh, from Cripsite, uh, from um, Flipside Crypto come on a few months ago talking about some of the scoring mechanisms that they had created. Are you kind of in the same boat or using sort of a scoring system that you guys have created to do some of the underwriting of the risk associated with these different digital assets? Yeah, so the, what, what is important when we always look and as I said, there is various different risks and, and uh, different risk factors. For example, there might be a custody risk, for example, which is associated with uh, USDC, and, and there's various uh, risks. But all the risk parameters, they always boils down to the liquidity risk. And the liquidity risk is basically if you have a uh, X amount of assets to be liquidated, uh, what is the probability that you can actually liquidate that amount of assets in the secondary market without uh, making losses. And that's the kind of like uh, point. So all the risks that are associated with the, uh, let's say, uh, custody or or uh, in, in the smart contracts, they always affect the, the, the value and the market prices. But the very, very important is the liquidity risk. And to mitigate the liquidity risk, uh, what lending protocols usually do in Aave, uh, is that uh, you, they apply a liquidation discount. So wherever you are 
liquidating as a liquidator a loan, uh, what happens is that uh, you're not liquidating it at the market price from the protocol, but you get a liquidation discount, which basically means that uh, you get a discount for taking that collateral and and uh, healing that uh, loan by repaying the, the loan currency back on behalf of the borrower and selling that asset in the secondary market. And that discount is a way to incentivize the liquidators to basically uh, do the uh, margin calls and 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 uh, keep the protocol uh, secure. I'm guessing then that there's also a probability, and we ne- didn't necessarily prepare for that, but just in this conversation that it's flowing, I'm just curious, so is there a probability that you have obviously factored that there may be people who might not want to necessarily repair or heal those loans, and then there might be a possible default? Yeah, so basically, uh, if there is a, because it's collateral based, so if someone doesn't, uh, uh, if, if, if the collateral value keeps uh, threshold, uh, the loan is basically in, in a safe condition. But once it goes down and loses the collateral, even if you don't repay the loan, what basically happens is the liquidation. liquidation. And in, in that case, uh, even if you have borrowed, uh, your loan gets liquidated, you can keep the, the principal you borrowed, but the protocol gets the principal from the collateral back into the uh, protocol. It's basically the same as, uh, for example, you you put a uh, uh, you borrow from your bank against your stock portfolio. You don't return the loan. They basically can liquidate your uh, stock portfolio uh, and and repair their own uh, right okay. balance in the bank. So let's talk about the lending pool because I think that handles all the basic logic. So the accumulation of indexes, the calcs of the interest rates, um, and you know, in relation to Chainlink, I believe you guys have a, a relationship with them now. So we've we've spoken on the show with Sergey and the folks there about the Oracle problem. So as it relates to the lending pool and it relates to all of the logic and the data that's needed to do all of the things in the protocol, can you talk to us about the Oracle problem and how you're working with Chainlink and you know, kind of further elaborate that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I think uh, Chainlink is one of the coolest projects out there now because uh, what they actually are doing is they're solving one very important and particular issue, and that's the uh, providing data into the smart contracts and providing the values and price feeds. And if there is uh, multiple, basically, consumers like uh, uh, Ava and other partners that could actually consume those same prices, uh, we get more uh, basically lower cost on oracles and also we can decentralize more the oracle network by having more incentives by more consumption and that's why we basically partnered with uh, chainlink to basically provide uh, more prices that they they currently supply and support and make uh, larger offering on the oracle prices so anyone now can actually chip into this uh, oracle mechanism and consume those uh, consume that price feed in their own uh, DeFi project, and I, I think uh, uh, in, in partnership wise and and the the compatibility of, of DeFi, I, I think that was a very important uh, uh, milestone for us to to have them as well. Okay. Um, 
So something that a lot of people have been talking about is the flash loans. And so I want to understand this better. I'm sure people out there would want to understand it better. So I see on the side, it says borrow easily and quickly with no collateral. And so I really would like you to discuss that in depth because we just talked about everything involving collateralizing these things. So what is a flash loan? How did it come about? How does it work? Yeah. So basically, uh, I think maybe flash loan is the most uh, it basically means that uh, you can borrow from the uh, you can borrow from the uh, other protocol, one hundred percent uncollateralized loan for one Ethereum transaction. So basically, it means that uh, uh, technically that you can borrow from the protocol, and if you don't return the loan, the transaction gets reverted. And what this allow you to do is basically, as a developer, you can develop different kinds of DeFi products or or services that actually consumes that liquidity for one block where otherwise you have to uh, have that money and, and that capital in place to do the transactions. So a, a typical use case is that um, you might have a uh, loan, for example, in in, uh, in Compound and, uh, for example, or, or in the CDP vaults, you have a vault open with uh, Ether collateral and you borrow DAI. And you might find that Compound offers uh, maybe lower rate on either die and also maybe even lower rate on USDC. So what what's a normal scenario is that if you have spent that borrowed funds that uh, you have had from the CDP, you you have to basically get that die back and 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 close your CDP and and refinance yourself into Compound. And in this scenario, with for example flash flash loans, what what you can do is actually you can just uh, even if you have spent your DAI, you can borrow uh, from Aave as a flash loan in one Ethereum transaction and have nested transactions where you take that borrowed DAI, close the CDP, take that collateralized Ether, send it to Compound and, and borrow uh, DAI for a lower rate. Or you could even uh, borrow USDC if it's even lower than the DAI rate and convert the USDC to die through Kyber or Uniswap and return the flash loan. So you could do this all kinds of atomic transactions uh, with one Ethereum uh, transaction in a way that uh, you are using the composability of DeFi without actually having those funds presence. And that's the uh, very cool thing in flash loans. So I want to just make sure I have an understanding here. At the very beginning of that, you said reverted. And reverted is a sticky word. Um, sometimes it can mean rollbacks and things like that. I want to make sure, that is, is that a rollback or what does reverted mean? It's basically a transactional fail. So the uh, in the other protocol, there's, uh, there's a function called flash loan. So when you call the function, the only condition of this function is that uh, if you don't return the, the borrowed funds uh, in the same transaction, the transaction just gets canceled, uh, failed. So what it means that, uh, let's say, if you use flash loans to arbitrage, uh, so you borrow flash loan, uh, for example, flash die to buy die uh, in cheaper DEX and sell it in a higher priced DEX and return the uh, returning of the funds uh, that you are, your, your whole transaction that you're doing, the, the atomic transactions. Uh, that basically means that the trades that you have in the other two exchanges will fail as well. So... That, that kind of like fails the whole link of the uh, transactions. And this is only possible because of the way that uh, Ethereum uh, has been built. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm just curious as we're kind of having a chat here, and again, this is not something that we necessarily prepared for, but I'm sure you're able to handle it. So you've talked about Compound, you've talked about Uniswap, you've talked about Kyber, you've talked about different pieces of the overall DeFi infrastructure out there. And you've you know said things like compostability. Um, would you say that today a lot of the different channels, if you will, uh, of moving assets, of doing things like atomic swaps, of working with DEXs, would you say, especially as it relates to Aave's work, would you say that there is good interoperability right now, or would you say that we're in the early stages of interoperability with all those different uh, channels? Totally, yeah. I, I definitely, I've never seen anything like this uh, because the, the very interesting part of, of uh, DeFi and smart contracts is that they're, uh, interoperable by default because of the uh, permissionless systems. So uh, let's say we have a developer uh, uh, coming to our, what's our next event, uh, ETH Paris uh, Hackathon or ETH London Hackathon, comes there and says, I want to build this very cool product uh, that that takes liquidity uh, via flash loans from uh, from the other protocol and, and then makes uh, trades in, in Kyber and Uniswap and returns the funds or any kind of uh, new product he has in mind or she and, and what what's the um, interesting part that, that there is no permission required from us uh, because you can just build and and interact with the smart contracts that are there because they're deployed they're public uh, and there is enough documentation to to build anything even if you don't have experience with with smart contracts by yourself and uh, are just a uh, regular uh, non-Web3 developer. So I, I would say uh, the, this interoperability is very key when we compare it to the traditional finance. So if you want to build a product that uh, basically switches your portfolio between uh, uh, 10 different funds or or in different kinds of investment products, there's all kinds of uh, friction in between different kinds of system and there's big legacy systems which, which which even each each bank that there is. So I would say that's the cool part why DeFi is exciting and why this protocols like Aave is exciting and Flash Loans is that it really shows how efficient things are. And if you have this kind of like money markets and liquidity markets that are as as efficient as they are in Ethereum now, major step in, in what could be done in the future. Right. I think one of the last things I'd like to highlight is governance. It's an issue and, and a point of interest that I've had on the show lately with other different projects. So can you talk about the governance? And I believe there is, in some respects, some things similar to the way that MakerDAO uh, employs governance. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Definitely. So basically what Aave is now working upon is, is a uh, uh, governance uh, protocol. So we have the uh, land token that will be used to govern uh, the the protocol itself because the protocol is open source and we have we want to have as less power as as we can uh, within the protocol and as wide uh, stakeholder ecosystem as, as as it's possible. And uh, one of the ways to do it is basically have a voting based governance with the token, and that's what we are applying. So currently uh, we're in a stage that we have ourselves. Uh, we have the control of the protocol to implement quick changes if there's uh, need. And a few weeks from now, what we're doing is actually we're changing those uh, keys into this uh, governance protocol, which is basically governed by the Aave token. I mean, the Lend token and Aave 
the the other protocol with the Lend token, and that's the kind of like a similar model as the the uh, uh, Maker model has, mm-hmm. and it has worked pretty okay so far. But I think there's some improvements that actually we can uh, we can try to build in. Okay. So you know, obviously, this is as DeFi is maturing, and as we are seeing more platforms come into uh, view. Obviously, Ave's work has gotten the attention of a lot of people, and Stani and the team are very busy these days talking to lots of people because very interesting things with the flash loans and some of the other components that we talked about what we'd like to do on the show also is getting to know you the guest a little bit more on a personal level and so as everyone knows i like to hit on two things what have you been reading if anything hopefully you're not just reading about protocols and code and so you get to read a little bit something else that's a uh, kind of nutrient for the mind and then music what music do you listen to while you're working traveling what do you like to uh, kind of turned down to so anything that you've read recently and any music that you listen to mm, that's interesting uh i would think one of the interesting books i've read lately is um it's actually was uh, suggested me by one of our uh, uh smart contract developers uh ernesto was uh empire of cotton and that's uh by sven beckert and it basically describes the global history of of, of cotton and how cotton became a uh, community and how it played in in the political field and and the capitalism and that has like very interesting and fascinating fascinating uh perspectives and i would definitely want recommend anyone that's interesting interested commoditization and how uh, it plays a long role in in the society i really recommend that so it, it definitely has some application that are still existing in our uh current uh world mm-hmm. um in terms of uh music uh, i would say i i pretty much listen uh everything i'm i'm very into um uh electronic music I, I used to be a dj for five years when i was in college so an early early years so i kind of got into the music uh you you've got to be kidding me another one that was a dj too i was a dj this is amazing you're like the third or fourth you're like the third or fourth person that has come on the show that has actually used to be a dj too that is amazing that's that's pretty cool yeah and i, I think in uh, there's a pretty uh, decent uh, dj community in the ethereum space i, I think uh, in most of the uh, happy hours and after parties it seems that uh, we do have our own dj's playing you hear that, Bitcoiners? You know, you're going to lose me. You know, you're going to lose me to the Ethereum camp. I swear to God, I'll start DJing for those parties. You guys have to start coming up with some DJ parties on the Bitcoin side or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go full ETH. I swear to God. That's a joke, guys. Please. That's a joke. I don't want the hate mail. Um, you know, you know, you guys know I love Bitcoin, too. And this show is not about specific chains. I love them all. No, I don't. But yeah, I love them. I love enough. Um, and so... One of the things that we also like to do as we wrap up is to give people a way to actually interact with your project. So where can people find out more? Where can people, you know, start using Ave? Where can people go? Yeah, I think the the most easiest way is to go to Ave.com. So it's A-A-V-E.com and, and just try depositing some stable coins and, and see their interest growing. And the coolest part is that when you deposit a... a uh, an asset, for example, uh, DAI, you get in return a DAI, which is the A token. So basically, that A DAI will be in your wallet 
balance and it will automatically grow uh, by itself. So that's one of the coolest innovations we have also in the protocol. Uh, so it's kind of like uh, uh, a token that will grow in your balance in, in, in amounts. So hmm. definitely recommend to try it out. Okay. So this was Donny Kuchlev of Ave. Uh, this is a great conversation. Again, things that have been happening within the DeFi space have been happening at a rapid clip. We've had lending, we've had derivatives, we've had atomic swaps, we've had so many different things that have happened. And now we have this new protocol and a lot of people are paying a lot of attention to it. So definitely reach out, learn more about it. Um, and we'll hopefully be able to catch up with you in a few months and see how everything's progressing. Sonny, thanks for having, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much, David. Thanks. For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca slash base layer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on base layer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter, Arca at Arca, or myself, David Nage at DavidJN79. Let us know, and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space and the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, marketing commentary, videos, and more.